Welcome to the Bulgarian History Podcast, Episode 55, Looking Back on the Second Bulgarian Empire, Part 1. First, to thank our new Patreon supporters, Keaton Wallace and Plamen Stoyanov, as well as a big thanks to Mark Callahan and David Etheridge for adding and increasing their support. I also really want to thank listener Moshe for generously hosting me with his family in Israel recently. It was really wonderful meeting you all, and your support and friendship is really appreciated. Thanks, Moshe. So the last episode caught us up on the events of roughly one and a half centuries of Byzantine rule, including the beginning of the Crusades. Now, we'll recap the foundation of the Second Bulgarian Empire and go through roughly the first half of that empire's history. So the restoration of a new Bulgarian state really began with the death of Manuel Komnenos and with him the final glorious years of the Komnenian Restoration. Now his son Alexius II came to the throne, but with the regency as he was still a child. But that regency was unpopular, leading Alexios's cousin to attempt and fail to overthrow the child emperor. But later, this cousin did succeed in leading a massive coup and overthrowing the regency. In the ensuing anti-Latin violence, 80,000 Latins and Venetians were massacred in the capital. This helped make the Crusader states and Western European states even more anti-Byzantine than they had been. Now the coup leader killed all his rivals and ran the government alongside the child emperor. Well, okay, he did that for a year and then he had the child emperor murdered. While all this chaos was going on, the Hungarians and the Seljuks were taking territory at the empire's fringes. The gains of the Komnenian restoration were already coming apart. The now sole emperor, Andronicus, tried to mend fences with the Venetians in the west, as well as his own people, but this went nowhere. Right away, his reign saw revolts, and within two years, yet another Norman invasion of the Balkans via the Adriatic coast. The Normans made quick gains, even sacking Thessaloniki, and crushing all the Byzantine armies sent to meet them. As the Normans were making their way to Constantinople, another man, Isaac, overthrew the unpopular Andronicus, who was brutally tortured for three days and killed. Just at this moment, a Byzantine army finally defeated the Normans and pushed them back into the sea. Right at the start of his rule, Emperor Isaac increased taxes, making him unpopular as well. The people living between the Danube and the Balkan mountains sent emissaries to discuss these taxes with the emperors. Two brothers, Theodore and Asen were treated very badly and led a result, revolt as a result. They built a church in Turnovo and hoped that building it would help give support to this revolt. They began their effort on October 26, 1185, and it was successful, leading Theodore to declare himself a new Bulgarian Tsar. Once the Byzantines finished dealing with the Normans, they sent a force to crush this uprising. Now, initially, the Bulgarians hid in the mountains and avoided pitched battle. And when they did finally engage the Byzantines, 
a solar eclipse occurred, and the Bulgarian troops fell to pieces, fleeing the, to the Danube and joining up with Cuman allies on the other side. But once the emperor went home, the Bulgarians along with Vlach and Cuman allies returned south of the Danube and retook all the territory again. Byzantine armies sent to crush them rebelled against the emperor one after another. Finally, the emperor himself returned, but the Bulgarians again refused to give him a pitched battle. The Bulgarians took small losses and delayed until the Byzantines finally gave up and signed a peace treaty in 1188. The Second Bulgarian Empire was now formally formed and recognized. Just at that moment, however, big things were occurring in the Holy Land as the famous Arab general Saladin destroyed the kingdom of Jerusalem and the Crusader states, throwing the West into a panic. A third crusade was thrown together and set off from Hungary towards Byzantine territory. Now, as you'll remember, the Western and Eastern Christian worlds were on really terrible terms at this moment. So the Byzantines actually allied with Saladin and made it harder for the Crusaders to progress. As a result, Theodore, now calling himself Tsar Peter IV, offered soldiers to help the Christians, the Crusaders rather, conquer Constantinople. But the Crusaders ultimately decided to sign a treaty with the Byzantines and just allow them to pass through their territory. Once the Crusaders were out of his hair, Isaac, the Byzantine emperor, attacked Bulgaria again. He attempted to use his navy on the Danube to prevent the Cumans from reinforcing the Bulgarians as he laid siege to Turnival. But the Cumans eventually got through and Isaac was forced to return home. On the way, however, his army was ambushed in a mountain pass and destroyed, the emperor himself barely escaping. As he led Bulgarian forces, Peter IV's brother Asen was proclaimed a new co-tsar, Ivan Asen and would rule Turnovo instead of the old capital of Preslav. So now there were essentially two emperors, one leading from Preslav, one from Turnovo. At this point, Bulgaria expanded to the east and west, taking cities like Varna along the Black Sea and Serdica, which is now Sofia, closer to Macedonia. The Byzantines responded by attempting to drive a wedge between the two brothers and co-rulers. Ivan Asen wanted to keep fighting, while Peter wished to make peace. The disagreement worsened as Bulgaria lost battles in 1192 and 93. But just at that moment, yet another Byzantine person decided that they should be emperor and set their army on the capital. He was blinded and thrown in prison. Still, Isaac decided to crush the Bulgarians, well that his attempt to crush the Bulgarians wasn't going so well, and that he should secure his border with Serbia and Hungary instead. Once that job was done, Isaac felt secure and could focus entirely on Bulgaria, sending one of his commanders at the head of another army. But that army was crushed in battle. The emperor was now terrified he would be overthrown or that the Bulgarians would attack Constantinople. And so he asked the Hungarians to throw together a ragtag army of mercenaries. But before they could do anything with it, his brother overthrew him and became Emperor Alexios III. The new emperor asked for peace with Bulgaria, but this was rejected. The Bulgarians were doing well and didn't want peace at this moment. So they began to raid into Byzantine territory and even conquer it. The Byzantines set another army to stop them, but it too was destroyed and the emperor's son-in-law captured. But at this moment of triumph, 
a boyar murdered Ivanasen. The So the Tsar who had really been calling the shots and who really wanted to push things forward was now dead. And honestly, the reason for the assassination is unclear. The boyars tried to rule in Turnival and get the Byzantines to help, but the Byzantines refused to cross the Balkan Mountains, and Tsar Peter, the brother left, quickly regained control over the whole country. A year later, though, he too was murdered, leaving the third brother, Kalyan, to rule. Now, around this time, some Bulgarian boyars, often with Byzantine help, began establishing small independent territories along the border. They would often ally themselves with either big power, but they were very hard to defeat by either power as well because they controlled many fortresses in inaccessible mountains. In spite of this, Tsar Kalyan did manage to expand his territory by conquering several of these independent territories in some Byzantine cities. But then the Kievan Rus decided that the, that the Bulgarian allied Kumans should be attacked and they were defeated making Kalyan feel very vulnerable because he didn't have his allies anymore, and so he sued for peace in 1202. At this moment, the Hungarians decided to make a move against Bulgaria, declaring the new dynasty of the Second Bulgarian Empire illegitimate and claiming that some person they sort of dug up was the new king of Bulgaria. In the meantime, another crusader army gathered to try to invade Egypt. However, not many people showed up, there were financial difficulties, and the crusade ended up attacking Hungarian lands and getting itself into a lot of debt and a lot of trouble in the process. But ultimately, the crusaders were persuaded by an exiled Byzantine emperor to attack Constantinople instead. Lavish promises were made, and the army set off. Long story short, they conquered the city, the emperor was murdered, and Constantinople was brutally sacked. The Byzantine Emperor was now no more. The whole empire was gone, replaced by the Latin Empire. Several Byzantine successor states arose out of the territories which remained under Byzantine control. And ultimately, as for the Crusade, only a few soldiers ever actually made it to the Holy Land. Tsar Kalyan took advantage to gain more territory and get recognition from the Pope. But his strategy of taking as much Byzantine territory before the Latin Empire got on its feet led to a hostile atmosphere between him and the new rulers of Constantinople. So while Kalyan had so recently been offered to help the Crusaders against the Byzantines, he now took in Byzantine refugees who agreed to help him fight the Latins, should it come to that. He convinced the Byzantines in Adrianople to rise up against the Latins, leading the Latins to immediately send an army and lay siege to the city. Kalyan sent an army to meet them. His Cuman cavalry used several classic steppe warrior tactics of fake retreats, which the Latins were not used to, to lead to a crushing victory and the capture of the Latin Emperor Baldwin, who was imprisoned for the rest of his life in a tower in Turnival. The Latins had a new emperor ready, but the Bulgarians and several other neighbors took more territory in this moment of weakness. Kalyan ran all over Latin territory, winning battles and taking cities. He seemed unstoppable. His reputation led the Byzantine and Latins to unite against him and slow down his conquests. Still, he was about to take the kingdom of Thessalonica when he died, either of a lung problem or murdered. Goyan's nephew, Boril, married his widow and became the new Tsar. 
Though he was from a royal family, Boreal was still seen as many as a usurper. At this moment, most of the surviving members of the royal family fled to neighboring states or carved out their own small territories in the mountains. But before Boreal could deal with them, he had a war with the Latins to fight. He quickly pacified rebellious elements in the Balkan mountains before fighting an inconclusive battle with the Latins. They soon fought again with Bordel, attempting to use the same steppe cavalry tactics, but this time the Latins anticipated this and led their own trap, leading to a mild Bulgarian defeat. Just like that, the Latins were now asserting themselves while the Serbs did the same in the west, and Bordel was on the defensive. The Bulgarian Tsar spent some time trying to turn the Byzantine successor states against the Latins, but without much luck. Now this went on for years, I won't go into too many details, but by 1211, the reign of Boril was not really making any gains and there was a rebellion against him in Vidin. The Hungarians retook it and Boril returned to the city. Things then quieted down and Boril set up a marriage alliance with both the Hungarians and the Latins. He decided to use these alliances to mount a massive attack on Serbia by the forces of the semi-independent Bulgarian rulers Threats the Latins, as well as the Bulgarians. But Stratz was murdered and the whole campaign fizzled out. Soon afterwards, the deaths of the leaders of the Latin Empire and Hungary deprived Boril of those two allies which he had secured with marriages. Seeing his chances, Ivanisen II, a member of the royal family in exile in Kiev, swept in, was welcomed by the people, and overthrew Boril. Shortly after, Ivanisen II took power, King Andrew of Hungary was returning from crusade through Bulgarian lands. The king was kidnapped until he agreed to allow the Tsar to marry his daughter. The Hungarian king agreed and was let go, and the wedding occurred three years later. Ivanisen II even got some Danube territories that Bulgaria had fought over with Hungary as a dowry. He also allied with the Byzantine successor state of Epirus, paving the way for its expansion into the Balkans, while another successor state, Nicaea, took Latin territory in Anatolia. Now these two states were now squeezing the Latin Empire between them. Just then, the Latin Emperor was ousted in a coup and died. Now there was an 11-year-old on the throne. So in short, the Latins were in trouble. But the King of Jerusalem, a king without a kingdom at this point because the Fifth Crusade was a disaster, was put in charge as regent. Still, the Empire of Thessalonica was planning to take Constantinople and destroy the Latins, but they knew that the Bulgarians could be persuaded to attack them from behind while they laid the siege. So, even though they were allies, the kingdom, the Empire rather, of Thessalonica decided that the Bulgarians had to be defeated before they could take Constantinople. Ivanisen was furious at this betrayal and rushed to meet them with a hastily assembled army. He got to the Thessalonians far faster than they anticipated, surrounded them, and more or less wiped them out, capturing the royal family. The emperor was blinded and thrown in prison. Ivanisen II then rushed south and conquered nearly all the territory of this empire, which he had just defeated. Suddenly, the Bulgarian Tsar was master of the Balkans, allied himself with Nicaea, and seemed ready to take Constantinople and destroy the Latin Empire himself. But then, Hungary invaded on the Pope's orders. The Pope obviously wasn't happy about Bulgaria threatening the Catholic Latin Empire. 
So in spite of the marriage alliance, the Hungarians were now enemies, which caught the Bulgarians totally off guard. The invasion essentially retook the territory given as a marriage dowry, but stopped at the siege of Vidin. Once peace returned between them, a new marriage alliance brought in Serbia as well as Bulgaria as allies. Once again, Bulgaria had every other power in the region on its side via marriage alliances and was ready to try to take Constantinople. Now, Bulgaria and Nicaea did lay siege to Constantinople together, but that failed. Then, the chance to become regent of the Latin Empire arose, and Ivanasen II decided that that might work better than actually conquering it. And so he switched his alliance to the Latins and helped them fight Nicaea. But this didn't really work out, and a plague forced the Tsar to return home, where he fell in love with a new woman and married her, after his former wife died. He now became a bit less active in Balkan politics, while the Mongols finally made it to the region, scattering the Bulgarian-allied Cumans, and finally firmly shifting the political landscape of the steppe by getting rid of them. Soon they had forced Bulgaria to pay them tribute following a devastating invasion. Shortly after, Ivanasen II died. Now his seven-year-old son Kaliman was on the throne. The powerful state his father had built was quickly falling apart. For example, a coup in Serbia replaced the pro-Bulgarian monarch, depriving Bulgaria of an ally. As Bulgaria weakened, the young Tsar Kaliman died at 13 and was replaced by his half-brother Michael Asen II, who was eight years old himself. Now at this moment, Nicaea saw the chance to retake take Bulgarian territory and invaded. As a result, a huge swath of Bulgarian territory in the south was quickly lost. Once that was over, Bulgaria was weaker than ever, again with a child on the throne, paying tribute to the Mongols, deprived of its Cuman allies, and losing territory to its neighbors without a strong ally in the region. As the young Tsar grew up, Bulgaria was pushed around more and more by its neighbors, before finally securing a marriage alliance with Hungary by giving up yet more territory to them. At some point, these losses became too much for the boyars, and Michael Asen II was killed by his cousin while hunting. Now, that cousin became Tsar Kaliman Asen II. But the father-in-law of the young murdered Tsars, Rostislav, responded by invading and pushing that new Tsar out. Kaliman Asen II was shortly after murdered by his own followers. Now two men proclaimed themselves Tsar, Rostislav, the father-in-law, and Mitso Asen, who had married into the royal family. Now, Rostislav couldn't take Ternovo, so he stayed in Vidin. In the middle in Ternovo itself, despite the two different men declaring themselves Tsar, the boyars named a man named Konstantin Tich to be their candidate for Tsar. Konstantin solidified his claim by marrying into the royal family. In the meantime, Mitsoasen tried to show off his prowess by invading Nicaea, but this was a disaster, and he quickly gave up his attempt to become Tsar. Rostislav tried to invade as well, but that failed. Then, as Rostislav is off hung, uh, kind of helping his Hungarian allies, Konstantin Tich takes Vidin, and, well, his claim to become Tsar uh, really goes nowhere. But it did prompt the Hungarians to invade with Rostislav and retake Vidin and do some damage to Bulgaria. But it's really not enough for Rostislav to give up his dreams. So, 
Eventually, yes. Rostislav says, I, I don't want to become Tsar, forget about it. And now, Konstantin Tikh rules unchallenged in Turnival. Within a few years, he was roped into helping Nicaea and Genoa in yet another attempt to conquer the Latin Empire. But, as preparations were underway, a Nicaean general was near Constantinople and found out that it wasn't garrisoned. So he just took the city without a fight. And just like that, the Latin Empire was destroyed, and the Byzantine Empire was restored without any Bulgarian involvement. But the newly restored Byzantine Empire had to quickly prepare itself for a likely attack from the Bulgarians, or from forces trying to reestablish the Latin Empire. So with all this, the whole geopolitical situation of the region was upended yet again. Tsar Constantine took this moment to take more territory from his rival Mitsu. But then, Mitso got help from the Byzantines, who swept in and took large swaths of Bulgarian territory. Constantine was running out of allies, and so he looked to the Mongols, who we'll now call the Tatars, who agreed and sent an army. They took some territory and showed the Byzantines that they should be more careful. Then, a Hungarian civil war allowed Bulgaria to gain control of the ruler of Vidin as a vassal, at least until that civil war was over and Hungary invaded Bulgaria in retaliation. But in spite of this retaliatory invasion, Vidin now became and remained a Bulgarian vassal. Then the Khan of the Golden Horde, the Tatars, to whom Bulgaria had been paying tribute, died, meaning that Bulgaria could no longer rely on this man to sort of come in and help them out as they had just done. Then to make matters worse. Tsar Constantine fell off a horse and was paralyzed, really harming his standing and ability to rule. But then, some apparent good news, as the West was preparing an anti-Byzantine crusade to re-establish the Latin Empire. Seemed like it could be a good opportunity for Bulgaria. And it was just in time, because the Byzantines had concluded an alliance with the Hungarians, and a new Khan of the Golden Horde was looking very hostile, and so Bulgaria was surrounded by enemies. So when Tsar Constantine invaded Byzantine territory, northern Bulgaria was swiftly ravaged by a Tatar army, led by a man named Nogai. Nogai set up his capital near the border and began raiding into Bulgaria regularly. Constantine was unable to rule properly with his disability, and the Byzantines, his Byzantine wife began to sort of scheme, murder, and basically run the whole government herself. Or at least that's what the uh, sort of sources say. But we know historical sources really hate women in power, so who knows. Now this made her very unpopular with the boyars, and so she and the Tsar have a three-year-old son and don't really feel stable with the opposition of the boyars. And so they adopt the ruler of Vidin as their sort of adopted son to help ensure that if something happens to them, he can run things. But the wife, the Byzantine wife, still didn't trust this adopted son, and she eventually poisoned him. All the while, those brutal Tatar raids were ongoing. And this led to a rebellion in Dobruja, where a pig farmer named Ivailo led an army. He made himself popular by defeating the Tatars and quickly getting some boyars on his side. He soon declared himself Tsar, defeated an army from Turnival, and killed Tsar Constantine, conquering the whole of the country except for the capital. The Tsarina and her son were still there, holed up behind its walls. In the meantime, the Byzantines took the son of Mitso Asen, who, remember, had previously declared himself Tsar, and put him forward as their candidate to become a new Tsar, and a larger civil war begins. 
the Tsarina married Ivailo to save herself and her son, and he became a peasant Tsar in Ternovo, going on to defeat the Tatars a few more times. He then defeated the Byzantines a few times before their proposed Tsar caught him in Ternovo and laid siege to it. But Ivailo snuck out and got himself caught in another city, this time by the Tatars. A rumor spread that Ivailo was dead, and so Turnival surrendered, and the young Ivanasen III and his Byzantine army took over. Tsarina Murillo and Ivailo's young son were thrown in prison, while Ivanasen III married into a boyar family. But remember, Ivailo wasn't dead. He broke out of his city, defeated two Byzantine armies, and, the new Tsar being terrified, ran away, making the Byzantines get very angry they had spent all the effort to put him on the throne. But the boyars had no desire to see Ivailo return to the throne, and so they once again elected one of their own to become Tsar, a man named George Tartar. Ivailo ran off to get help from the Tatars in order to defeat this new rival. Ironically enough, Ivanasen III was there doing the same thing, so they were both kind of in the, the camp of this Tatar Khan, who eventually decided to kill Ivailo and throw Ivanasen III away into exile, so that went nowhere. And now George Turter was unopposed on the throne. He quickly set about bringing together an alliance to protect himself against the Byzantines, but still things became quiet for a few years. Eventually, Turter signed a peace treaty with the Byzantines and entered a marriage alliance with Serbia. But the Tatar Khan Nogai wasn't letting up, continuing his raids and forcing the Bulgarians to pay him tribute, allowing his daughter to marry the son of Chaka. Eventually, Tartar signed a peace treaty with the Byzantines and entered into a marriage alliance with Serbia, calming things down a bit. But the Tatar Khan Nogai wasn't letting up. He continued his raids, forcing the Bulgarians to pay him tribute and allowing the Tsar's daughter to marry his son Chaka and hand his other son over as a hostage. Things then calmed down, but Boyars broke away, leading to more internal instability. One, named Smilets, broke away and married into the Byzantine royal family. Then, in 1292, a massive Tatar raid was simply too much, and Tartar fled to Constantinople. Smilets rose up and took his place, and actually managed to rule Turnovo for, for six years, and it was a pretty quiet period. Then, his young son became Tsar, and Smilets' brother rose up against their sister-in-law and her infant son. She was overthrown, and the young boy stayed. Then, the Golden Horde broke up. And Chaka, remember Chaka, well, he decided that without, well, without anything better to do, he would invade Bulgaria and himself replace the young Tsar. The Tsar and his regents couldn't manage to bring together an alliance to defend themselves, and so they threw open the gates to Veliko Tornovo, and Chaka became Tsar. But now, the new ruler of the Golden Horde invaded to put his own vassal in his place, unhappy that Chaka was on the throne. Chaka's brother-in-law and former prisoner deposed him, threw him in prison, and sent his head to the Golden Horde's Khan. The invasion was called off. Now that man, Theodor, became Tsar, subduing his remaining family members with independent status. And things became pretty quiet. So that covers the first half of the Second Bulgarian Empire. I know it was quick, but I wanted just a quick recap for everyone. Next time... We'll cover the second half of the Second Bulgarian Empire before moving on to cover the Ottoman period. 
This episode was written and produced by me, Eric Halsey. The theme music was written and performed by Teddy Raven. As always, uspech, or in English, good luck.